0: diversity of perspective. If you're sort of all nodding your head all the time together, that you're not getting enough perspective from outside of the group.
1: Hi, I'm Nils Vigna, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development, one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Spinya, and today my guest is Kathleen Lee Lawarchik. Kathleen, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Nils. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Kathleen. I'm looking forward to digging into the best of the best on leadership topics with you. But first, let's give the audience a little bit of background as far as your role and the organization you're working with today.
0: Absolutely. Such a pleasure to be here. As Nell said, my name is Kathleen Lee Lawarchik. I work for a company as the vice president of marketing for Xengage. We're in essence, a systems integrator who does digital commerce, basically in the B2B space allowing people who are deep into e-commerce or even people who are new to revive this channel or to make it as strong as it possibly can be. It's great to be here on your show today.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Now we're recording this kind of in the Q4 time frame, getting close to the holidays and e commerce and the holidays are always a big talking point. So I imagine things are a little bit off the off the hook right now with all of your business. Is that right?
0: Absolutely it is. But you know what's interesting? We focus on B2B and one often asks us, Oh, yes, is this the time of year where it's busy? It's always busy in B2B because if you think about the job of somebody who is purchasing, e-procuring for B2B, there's really no downtime because when the economy takes off, then e-commerce is really important and has only gotten more important in the mix. But I will tell you, just like people are dealing with right now in B2C commerce, e-commerce, there are a lot of things that are in short supply. So getting them even in a B2B market, too, is important at this time of year. So good point.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's a great commonality between our topic of leadership, which is always important, regardless of time of year or stage of company or anything. And with that, I would love to ask you, Kathleen, how did you get into your very first leadership position?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And I actually started in business over 25 years ago. But even prior to that, my first leadership role was working as a legislative aide in the European Parliament. Back in 1992, I was recommended by a U.S. congressman for whom I worked in a local D.C. office to really explore opportunities in the international market. And I got promoted into a legislative aide role in the European Parliament with a member of the European Parliament. Wow. Okay. Hold on.
1: <laughs> that is an answer I have not heard before. But I thought, when I've asked lots of people about their first leadership position, I have not heard European Parliament before. So give us some context on what was it like working inside the European Parliament early in your career in this now promoted into a leadership position?
0: Yeah. So a lot of people ask me, how does it work that an American gets to serve in the European Parliament? That's usually the first question that people ask. And you know, as most good networking opportunities are, get to know people in all kinds of spaces so that you can afford yourself the opportunity when it arises in this particular case i was working for a u.s congressman who had done some international business with a lot of japanese as well as european delegate partners and it just seemed to be the right fit at the right time i had done my homework and done my work in the u.s and an opportunity came about in this gentleman's office within brussels belgium And because I spoke French and German, and because I knew a little bit about European politics, I got a position. Key to this, though, too, was situational awareness. So that's one thing I really think about from a leadership perspective that's important to know. As an American in that role, I had to make sure I understood my place. I wasn't going to lead. I was going to listen and help.
1: That's a really great point. And the preparation you mentioned there, did you have, you know, prior to this happening or this opportunity coming up, was this on your radar Is like, I really want to go to work in the European <laughs>
0: Parliament? Like- it wasn't. You know, I had talked to some people about doing international relations at one point, And so it was a far off idea, but really it was situational. It was at the right place at the right time and the right people who could make the connection for me. And that was a lovely thing because it gave me and afforded me the possibility to do something I hadn't considered. But it definitely early in my career allowed me to explore some regulatory pieces of business that now to this day have really influenced me. So for instance, I ran the Purell hand sanitizer brand for a good dozen years. And in that space, a highly regulated industry, some of my early learnings from working in the European Parliament came to bear. Wow,
1: okay, fascinating. <laughs> we jumped from the European Parliament to one of the hottest items in the global pandemic, right? Sure. hand sanitizer. <laughs> and you ran that brand for 12 years. That's That's absolutely fantastic. The situational awareness, so tell us more about that, and not just in your experience in the European Parliament, but how you've used that in all of your other leadership positions from that point
0: forward. So I think about it in terms of being learning agile, knowing the conditions in which you operate, and knowing the role that you play, but also being open to the ideas of what's happening around you. So if a situation develops, that means you need to take a greater step forward, or in some cases, be a listener and take a step back just to absorb the information. That's sort of the kind of situational awareness I'm talking about. Hmm.
1: And. If you were sitting down with somebody and having a conversation about situational awareness, and this perhaps was a little bit newer to them of a concept or they weren't as adept at it, what advice would you give them to help them develop the skill of situational awareness?
0: Yeah, I think one thing I often tell people, especially younger people who are new to different business or not-for-profit organizations, is to watch and learn before you act. There is nothing wrong with acting. In fact, I think great leaders know when the time is to act. But I also think one should never underestimate the power of listening and being able to absorb the situation before you act. That's a a definition for me that I've used and tried to, when I want to take the right step forward, just gauge the situation, understand, and quite honestly, look at the potential scenarios if you do act. Because sometimes acting does mean taking the step forward and leading. And sometimes you have to look at the positional situation of who's in the room and what they might be doing and be able to respond in a couple different ways.
1: Yeah. And I think playing that out, the looking at the scenarios is something that can oftentimes very easily get overlooked, right? This is where we get conflicts, personality, you know, style, because the impact of how somebody shows up with, as a result of a lack of situational awareness can directly
0: impact other people, Is that what you're referring to here? Exactly, it's exactly that. It's sort of knowing who the players are in the room, how you think they might respond, but also being open to the fact that maybe it will surprise you. Maybe there will be something in there that you weren't expecting and then still being open to that and going with the direction that is being given to you or that's arising in the moment.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. So, all right, we've already learned about the European Parliament and running Purell for a dozen years. Now, you told me about a story earlier around making a different decision early in your career. Would you share that story with us? Because I think it kind of reinforces a lot of what you're talking about here in terms of being prepared and presenting yourself as in the best possible way in the future.
0: Okay, well, there's two stories, but let me pick the one I think you're talking about. It might be the bicycle trip. Is it that one? That's um, okay. Yep. Good, ding, ding. I feel like I won an award there.
1: <laughs> you get the prize. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, when I was in my late 20s, and I was looking at possible career paths, one big change to my career was actually exiting the opportunities in the job world for a period of time. I made the decision five years before that I was going to spend one year by bicycling. bicycling around the world with 250 people going to 42 countries and bicycling almost 20,000 miles in one year. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow!
1: Now, okay, you made the decision five years before. What was the impetus for making that decision?
0: Yeah, so I'm by nature a very curious person, which I think is a part of leadership too. And I wanted to see the world. And I knew that, you know, the different languages I had spoken and the different cultures I had been exposed to, it only made me more hungry to want to learn. Obviously, I'm in a library environment. So I like to learn. (laughs) And yet at the time, I was looking at what would be the possibilities in the future to do something like this. And it came across my plate. At the time, my boss said, you know, Kathleen, I'm not really sure that this is the best career move. And I said, Don, quite the opposite It's going to open so many interesting doors for me and allow me to see the world in a different perspective that I can always carry with me for the rest of my career.
1: Love it. That's absolutely fascinating. I mean, you have your boss, someone who you respected and trusted telling you like, this is not a good idea. And you believed and knew that you were actually doing this as preparation for things way down the line. And I imagine some of those connections are still paying dividends to this day. Is that right?
0: That's absolutely true. And I think, you know, knows better than anyone, there's not a linear relationship sometimes between the things that we do and the outcomes that we have. You just have to put yourself in the right situation, back to situation analysis, and be able to say like, okay, I'm a little open-minded about this. Let's see where this can go. Always trying to balance that risk and reward, what makes the most sense, but at the same time too, yeah, some things that I did early in my career, I would never have known they would lead to where I am today. And
1: that's a really interesting point that I've had across many, many conversations with individuals at all levels, is that there's really not... A wrong move when it comes to things in your career. That might have been true probably 30, 40 years ago, but in today's day and age where the sole goal is to make yourself more valuable to your organization and to yourself over time, and where we're not going to be with every company we work for for our entire career, it benefits us to put ourselves in that position to always be curious, as you said, to always be learning right? And to just keep moving forward, make us a better person so that we can contribute more to somebody else.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. (laughs)
1: Love it. Love it. All right. So let's talk about Post coming out of the, the European Parliament and the incredible bike journey, there are some core leadership philosophies that you've grown to learn and experienced throughout your career. I would love to hear what those are that you've learned, some of them probably the hard way that we can <laughs> share with the audience. And hopefully it'll be a little bit easier learning or you can take a solace in knowing that you're on the right track if you believe these things too.
0: Yes. Oh, great. Thanks for asking this question. This is one I'm always trying to pay attention to leaders that may have a little bit of Wisdom, and I'm starting to reach that age where I'm supposed to have a little bit of wisdom. I think I've got a little (laughs) bit. I think so. All right. All right. (laughs) One of the things that's part of a leadership skill is what I'd call managerial courage. And I learned that working on the Purell brand because the environment in which I was in encouraged people to take risk, to be okay with failing with risk, but most importantly, having managerial courage. And what is that? Managerial courage is really when you see an opportunity or you think you can apply your skills and be willing to speak up. There was a time when I worked on the Purell business and I found that the Purell Naturals product was one that needed to be part of the line of products. and quite honestly, with all you know, due respect and with good caution, the company challenged and said, you know, I don't know if we're going to bring that on board. I don't know if it's the right fit for us. So I did the research. I made sure there was going to be no damage to the brand. I made sure that it would be accretive and help the brand. And sure enough, when we did, it felt good to know that I had the managerial courage to stand up and say, listen, we've spoken to these people. This is something that they want. And it was a good growth story for the brand. And it also helped reposition it in the proper light for where it needed to go. So managerial courage is a piece that I think is important. And managerial courage can be that example or speaking up for others who who struggle with speaking up for themselves. That's one skill that I really value in my my career and have really tried to build.
1: Wow. That's super cool. All right. So in that moment when you had the opportunity to bring this inside of this environment, right? A very, very big brand been very well known around the world. Where did you get this managerial courage to get to the point where you said, Hey, I think we should maybe look at this a little bit differently. where did that come from?
0: Wow. That's so interesting. So it's sort of reflective of two things. I'm a natural introvert, which people find it hard to believe. And I'm very self-motivated. I look for opportunities to connect dots and make them a reality. But also, it's much easier to do those sorts of things when you don't go it alone, when you take a pulse from other people. And I had been working with our sustainability director, and we looked across the landscape and looked to where the market was going in the next few years. And we also found, you know, people within the organization who said, you know what, I'm willing to consider this. I don't, you know, had judgment on it quite yet, but I would like to hear what you have to say. And so, the manager curious though come from internal absolutely but does it come from external reinforcement yes some of that too yeah
1: yeah and the and the partnerships that you mentioned there working with others collaboration this wasn't a solo mission no, where you were just no. taking the hill by yourself <laughs> no. no this was this was getting the team together and getting the support and doing the research and all those pieces love that it was a wonderful story and yeah. the fact that you're a natural introvert guess what? I am too. Okay. <laughs> sometimes people think it's a little strange because they don't, don't typically, when they see me, it's on a podcast or in a presentation at a conference or something. And I said, yeah, no, it's, it has to do with more about energy than it does with about persona and output. Yes.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said.
1: We'll get back to the interview in just a minute. This episode is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. The B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. Head on over to B2BLeadersAcademy.com to join and become the leader you've always wanted to be. Now let's get back to the interview. All right, so we got managerial courage.
0: What else? Yeah, I think diversity of perspective. I really do think in a leadership capacity, if you're sort of all nodding your head all the time together, that you're not getting enough perspective from outside of the group. And so diversity of perspective could be anything from, you know, new data, new science that it needs to be brought to bear because it might have an impact in the next five to 10 years, to bringing voices in the room that either maybe they have wisdom from which to learn or new, fresh voices who are new to the scene that say, you know, I'm looking at this whole problem slightly differently. And here's what I think. And I'm really open to having that diversity of thought because it really is a multiplier. It's a one plus one equals three, if you will. And I like to hear what people have to say and try to bring those voices together for the common good.
1: Love it. All right, so at X Engage, what are some of the ways that the company and the culture as a whole? embraces that element of diversity. And how do you guys bring diversity into the organization?
0: I love that question. So at Engage, I sort of see my role as a VP of marketer more as like a chief matchmaker. I'm matching clients to partners, employees to our culture. And as a culture, we are very open-minded. The company first and foremost was founded by two very intelligent and bright gentlemen who have worked in digital for 25 plus years, who bring their diversity of thinking. And one is German and one Lebanese and have brought, you know, different cultural reference points, but always with an open mind to, you know, how can we service these clients? One of the big things that I'm really excited about with X-Engage is that we have a whole philosophy around creating the raving fan. And by that, it's, you know, have someone love what you're doing and you're partnering with so much. Of course, they're willing to tell other people, but more importantly, they're building those relationships and helping people to feel really good about the jobs that they have to do. So that culture is very evident where we are. I speak a lot on behalf of the company, and that's one thing I try to pulse because it's very inclusive and it allows people to really have diverse voices brought into the room. Some people we bring right out of education to our offices to be a part of the bigger tech scene and we can learn from them. And then we have other voices that are 25 years in the making who bring lots of experience and wisdom to the table.
1: Wow. Fascinating. I love the term chief matchmaker oh, between
0: employees <laughs> and company and
1: customers <laughs> and company. I don't think I've ever quite heard a VP of marketing consider their role as chief matchmaker, but it makes total sense. Thanks. It sounds like an awful lot more fun too, to be completely honest. <laughs> oh, thanks, <laughs> Bringing the like-minded people together. All right. So we've
0: got managerial
1: courage. We've got diversity of perspective. Is there a third one?
0: There is. And this one is really near and dear to my heart because I've had my mistakes over the years too, Nils. <laughs> it's forgiveness for failure. And that's because you have to think about failure in a couple different ways, in my opinion. So I'll give credit to Carol Dweck here, who talks about the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And if you have a growth mindset, you're open to the idea of failing and making mistakes and learning from them. Because if you're in sort of a continuous learning and continuous improvement cycle, you'll see failure in yourself and others as an opportunity to learn. 100%. That element of continuous learning
1: is something I champion as well. Like You should never stop. Like there is no stopping ever, especially in our, you know, our topic and what we're talking about today leadership, there is no end to like learning all that you need to know about leadership.
0: No, it's not like there's an end to the internet. It's not like there's an end to learning.
1: you <laughs> can go on forever. Now, you don't need to feel so overwhelmed by the fact that like, I can't possibly learn everything. I might as well not start. It's like, no, no, no. There's just pieces that you can continuously get better and better and better at over time. And that's what makes the world a better place, right? That's what makes our teams better. That's what makes our leadership better. That's what makes our impact on the people we work with better and our families. That's what it's all about. And I love that you champion that and forgiveness for failure, because frankly, there's a lot of stuff wrapped up in failure. Is there a particular example you might share of a failure that you did have, which You turned it into a learning and ended up being something incredibly more valuable than if you had just viewed it as a failure.
0: Well, I don't know if it's incredibly more valuable, but it's a hilarious story. Okay, so, you know, in the spirit of trying to do things better every time I have gotten better about double checking and triple checking things. And why is that? Because early in my career, when I was doing direct mailers, I put the wrong phone number down and I got it wrong and it got sent all the requests for information got sent to somebody else that shouldn't have. And I still, to this day, feel terrible about it. But at the end of the day, you know, you laugh about it, you say, learn from it. And what do I do now? I double and triple, triple check everything.
1: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right, right. And, and that's a perfect example of how all of our behavior, and this was in a positive way, all of our behavior comes from the result of our experiences, now, the risk on the other side of that is if you had viewed it as a failure, you might view you know big mailings going out or big promotions going out as a, something to fear, as something to to really worry about. Whereas you looked at it as, okay, let's have a good laugh and then this will make a good story and let's move on. And now I just double and triple checked everything. So that's a, that's a fascinating example. And in the world of direct mail, you couldn't just send another campaign and say, whoops, sorry. Like you can today in the email world, like, oh, just sorry, wrong one on that. And do-over, do-over. <laughs> yeah, do-over. There were no do-overs in the direct mail world. There are. <laughs> awesome. So Kathleen, we talked about the managerial courage, diversity of perspective, forgiveness for failure. Those are three incredible points that you've come to learn throughout your career. I'm curious, are there any more points that you want to share? And if not, that's Okay.
0: You know, I think you might be blending into a space around advice I might give to my earlier self. And one of the things that I try hard to remember, and this is a saying that, you know, takes different forms, but the idea of perfection being the enemy of good is something that I try very hard to remember. And we all sort of strive to be as great as possible in the roles that we serve, whether it's as a parent, as a friend, as an employee, or as a colleague. But I always have to remind myself that, you know, if I try for perfection, I'm going to run short of the very, very good work that I've done. So that's an important part of what I try to remember as well.
1: Yeah, this wonderful. A mentor of mine likes to say that you don't have to get it perfect. You just have to get it going. Yes, I like that. It just rings true because it's like, yeah, nothing's ever going to be perfect. However, if we're always focused on getting better, if we're always focused on improving just a little bit, taking things one step at a time, then we will ultimately prepare ourselves, as you were talking about before, for whatever comes down the future. Exactly, exactly. And that's the fun part. It is. All right. So that was the advice to your younger self. Right. The perfection is the enemy of good. So if you were going to give some advice to a listener of this podcast. Okay. Who is, agrees and gets managerial courage, diversity of perspective, forgiveness for failures, like, wow, this is really cool. It makes total sense. How do I get started? Yeah. What would you tell them to do? What
0: would they do? So it goes back to a little thought that I try to keep in mind when I'm working with people. And it's really about being the person that people want to work with. Tied up in that is really, you know, about being courteous and hardworking and, being knowledgeable enough that you're a go-to person. And that's what you know. younger or more inexperienced people might benefit from is knowing that you can be a leader in your own right because of the way you conduct yourself or the way that you have a certain level of expertise that maybe you've learned in the last couple of years that someone who's been in the business for 20 years doesn't know. And so you are in your own right an expert. In the case of B2B, because we're in B2B leadership, right? I always tell people in the e-commerce space Don't focus just on things like the customer journey, and the part when you go online, think whole systems, think about operating systems. And when you are the person that people want to work with, they know that you've thought about them too. So don't do a handoff that doesn't include people in operations or finance. Make sure you look at the whole enchilada and make sure that you're thinking about all the moving pieces parts. And that's the kind of person that people want to work with.
1: That's a fantastic, fantastic piece of advice and gets back to one of the points you made earlier, right, about your impact being the situational awareness, bringing all of that. It's not just in one meeting, right? It's in your entire role. It's in your entire job. It's in your entire Every single piece of work that you do likely has an influence on somebody else. And how often do you really consider the impact of what you're doing or delivering or going to be part of the program that ultimately is going to be built? How often do we really consider how it's directly going to impact somebody else?
0: That's right. And not often enough. And I understand, you know, people are busy and they're trying to get their job done. But if you can sort of take a minute to look up and sort of survey and see what else is going on again, looking at the situation and understand the different roles that are being played and impact, you will go very far in life because people will see you as that team player.
1: That's right. Yeah. And who doesn't want to work with somebody who took them into account and said, hey, I, you know, given what you're probably going through, or can I ask you how this might impact you? Right? It's like, wow, they actually really took time and talk to me and understood my situation rather than just, you know, meeting their goal and checking their box and dropping something off and saying, it's not my problem anymore.
0: I can think of different situations where I was in a situation where people said, you know, I, I don't agree with you, but because you came to me and we had a conversation about it, I'm more respectful of what you're trying to do. And I'm going to support you, even though I disagree with you. (laughs) Yeah, and it comes down to respect, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And, it and, does. You know, put yourself in that shoes of somebody else coming to you saying, "Look, I've considered all these options. I want to know how this impacts you before I make a final decision." Even if it's completely contrary, like you just said, where they don't agree, they will appreciate and respect the fact that you came to the table. I think that's a great piece of advice that every single person listening to this podcast can do today is just think about how something you're going to deliver or some message you're gonna deliver to somebody else or another team or another leader is going to impact them before you actually do it. Yep. Wonderful, awesome. What a great conversation, Kathleen. It has been an absolute blast to talk leadership, your experience, European parliament, a 20 country bicycle tour. (laughs) Purell, Engage, Chief Matchmaker. Uh, it's just <laughs> been so much fun. And I, I thank you very much for your time and look forward to hearing about all the great things that you and your Engage team are going to do going forward.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Nils. It was wonderful to meet with you and appreciate the opportunity to share some points from my journey. And again, if anyone wants to contact me, please LinkedIn with me and find a way for us to connect and continue the dialogue.
1: Absolutely. And we'll have a link to Kathleen's LinkedIn profile in the show notes for this episode. So you can click it and go directly there and connect with Kathleen. All right, Kathleen, thank you so much. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.